0: What's up, Gravel Family? I'm Sophia. And I'm Jason. And this is the Gravel Family Podcast. The Gravel Family Podcast is an encouraging space to motivate more people to get on their bikes and enjoy gravel.
1: We're going to share a variety of stories from hometown pirates to the top tier pros. We're also going to share training tips and insights on gravel worlds and other events, as well as answer your questions that arise through your training season.
0: We are so excited you're here. Welcome to the Gravel Family.
1: Alright, what's up, Gravel family? We are doing another live episode down here in Emporia, Kansas in front of Gravel City Adventures. We've been here all morning, so thank you so much to Gravel City uh, for letting us do this. It's been a blast, people walking by and just having good conversations with us. Uh, Sophie and I, we have the honor of having our next guest. I think this might be the peak of our podcast right here, so... Uh, This is going to be the longest intro of credentials we've ever had. So uh, this next guest is an absolute legend on and off the bike. Uh, She's a seven-time mountain bike world champion, three-time Unbound 200 winner, one-time Unbound XL350 champion. She has won Gravel Worlds. Uh, She is the founder and promoter of Rebecca's Private Idaho, uh, founder of the Be Good Foundation, and probably... Uh, One of the most incredible humans that has not only now been inducted into the Mountain Bike Hall of Fame, but now uh, the new inaugural class of the Gravel Cycling Hall of Fame. Please welcome Rebecca, the Queen of Pain, Rush. Welcome to the podcast.
2: This is awesome. I'm going to give you one correction because it's not seven-time mountain bike world champion. It's seven-time world champion in various different sports, including gravel cycling world champion. Oh. That was my 7th one. Oh, okay. Yeah, so uh, it's yeah, whitewater rafting, adventure racing, cycling. Oh my so God. a little yeah. bit of a so variety literally pack. So you do it all. Okay. I I'm a cat with 9 lives, you yeah. know. <laughs> so I'm on 7 right now.
1: Okay, you got 2 left. Let's let's protect those last exactly. two. Exactly. Um uh, well well let's get into it a little bit. Um you came your the, your unbound experience this week is very different than what you're used to do. Um, you're used to coming down here and just putting your body through the ringer, um, and that's not at all what your week has been like. So, what? How did you get down here? And what's your Unbound week like this week?
2: Yeah, I mean, I've been to Unbound multiple times with 200 wins, 350 wins, 100 mile wins, but um, when the gravel cycling Hall of Fame induction happened, my friend Dan Hughes and I talked about it, and he's like, "You got to come to the induction." and and i was like oh i don't know you know i'm not i'm not racing there anymore because i you know i've I have nothing left to prove here at this event and it's been so awesome but he's like so i thought about okay if i'm going to go to kansas i want to do it differently um and so really the hall of fame induction i thought about i've been involved with gravel for 10 years 10 years to the to tomorrow to the day was my first gravel race first gravel ride Um, I didn't want to be here I was forced to come here and I thought about those 10 years since and what's happened from from this first ride on gravel here 10 years ago and and I decided to come to the Hall of Fame induction I wanted to do a big ride I've never actually ridden in Kansas where I'm not racing and so Dan and I put a scheme together to get old friends new friends we rode from Kansas City through Lawrence into Emporia we took three days to cover that distance about 50 miles a day not crazy camped at night near pomona lake had a party at sunflower bikes and and it was about it was really what riding gravel's about looking around looking at the flowers you know the you know appreciating kansas at a little bit slower pace but also appreciating the people that I've met through gravel. So we had, you know, obviously Dan Hughes, um, Alexandra Houchin is a good friend of mine. She joined us. She's a new friend. Um, she's racing the three hundred and fifty. Leah Davison, who I've known forever from the mountain biking world. She joined us one day, my good friend, Linda Garrett, um, Jose and Joe done crude for us. So it really was a collection of some of the best friends that I've made riding my bike on, on gravel. And, and we had kind of a, a really a a party on wheels and a rolling ceremony to appreciate you joined us for the last day of the ride as well in it's important to me. I'm a super competitive racer and people know that and very high intensity in certain situations, but I also just really love riding my bike. So that's what our ride to the induction was about. And it was really special. i um, just kind of celebrating, celebrating why we're here. You know, racing is amazing. But there's more to it than that.
1: Well, and so not only were you riding here, but you were raising money for a good cause too.
2: Yeah, and so I wanted to tie in. I was riding, um, it was quite an honor. I was riding the Live, Devote, Be Good Edition. Um, Live has launched a women's specific gravel bike. There never used to be gravel bikes. um, And it's the Be Good edition. And so we rode those bikes there, here, and we're fundraising through the Be Good Foundation to provide scholarships to Rebecca's Private Idaho, to my gravel event that happens in September. And so, yeah, we were riding, connecting with friends, but also bringing more people into this gravel family, into the healing power of cycling, and you made a donation. You brought some some folks out there, and so yeah, there will be a gravel world's awesome uh, another person that we can bring to RPI because of your efforts and you coming out to join us. So thank you.
1: <laughs> you're, you're very welcome. I One thing that we talked about on the ride yesterday, we're going to talk about Be Good later, but how you do your scholarships for RPI a little bit different. Um, it's it seems more personal than all right here's free entry Um, there's like an application process and it's not just a flat rate it's what do you need what what do you need to come here um, and and how can we help
2: yeah the the scholarship program is new this year the be good foundation has been going for a few years but this scholarship program is just realizing that like travels expensive bikes are you know not everybody has access to a bike to travel to whatever um, and and so, yeah, the scholarship program—it was an application process, and we really tried to encourage people who in underserved cycling communities, whether it's BIPOC or para cycling, non-binary. Those are categories that we're we're hoping to elevate and, and help people get more involved. And so, people applied. Um, youth category, and it and it was dependent on. There was a few questions, but also a need. Yeah, if you can drive there, we don't need to get you a plane ticket. If you need a bike, we'll help get you a live to vote or or a giant revolt to ride. And you know, I remember any sport that I've gotten into, you need a boost, you need help, you need equipment, you need knowledge. Even when I came here for the first time to ride gravel, I didn't know what tire pressure. I didn't know how to do it. I didn't have anywhere to stay. Dan Hughes took me in and helped me, you know, and, and kind of showed me the rope. So that's the goal with the scholarship program is to provide a little assist, a tailwind for somebody. But it's based on need. Some people might just need a, an entry. They can't afford an entry. Some people need travel. Some people need lodging. Some people, you know, hopefully are going to get some mentorship from myself and a couple of the board members. Um, cliff isles is helping he runs team onyx which is a black adventure team and he we're all going to help basically share knowledge share experience share funding to get more people into the gravel family at private idaho this year that's awesome yesterday
0: on your well at your hall of fame acceptance speech wow i can't talk um you mentioned a new word (laughs) gratitude can we talk a little bit about that and what that means to you
2: yeah, with Linda Garrett, who was who was documenting our Be Good Ride journey to the Gravel Hall of Fame. She one of the evenings we sat around by the camp, you know, and she's like one word to describe today, you know, and I kind of thought about it and and the word I came up with. We come up with great ideas on bike rides was, you know, I was thinking how grateful I am for this gravel family and all that. And I'm like, gratitude. That's what it is. It makes sense. It makes so much sense, and I was so excited. And I'm like, I made up a new word, gratitude, and so, I, it really does. Because it's hard to encompass what we feel about riding our bikes on the dirt, out in the middle of nowhere, in in one word. And and I am grateful, but it, but it's bigger than that. It's like getting all the people with dirt in their teeth and on their socks and in their tires, you know, and how fun you feel and that feeling of just like ah this is so good so yeah that's gratitude I made it up.
0: I'm calling it now (laughs) this is going to catch on and you are going to hear
2: gratitude being spoken in all different sorts of I love it. If I, people are expressing gratitude all around the world on any ride, I love it.
1: If, if you add a Gravitude RPI shirt to your store, I'm buying it.
2: Okay. <laughs> you heard it here first. We're doing it.
1: <laughs> all right. A little bit of a two-part question here. Um, I, I said it in the intro. You have the very distinct honor of being the first human to be in the Mountain Bike Hall of Fame and the Gravel Cycling Hall of Fame. Um, what, what does that mean to you? And... and does it carry a different weight knowing that you've, you're you in both of them?
2: I mean, it's super cool accolade to have on your resume. It's kind of fun to be the first one to do something. Um, but, you know, I thought about when I was inducted into the Mountain Bike Hall of Fame, which was really just, I don't know, three or four years ago. And the speech I gave there was all about the gifts that cycling has given me. You know my husband my career you know my confidence you know this body that you know can go places and all the gifts that cycling's given me and and really now on this second induction into the gravel cycling hall of fame i feel like it's less about me and more about we like cycling has given me gifts and now I'm sharing more gifts with more people so it's like what are the gifts that cycling gives us and that's what the foundation is about this ride was about this podcast is about and so yeah to be a double hall of fame in, inductee inductees is really cool I'm not gonna lie it's really cool <laughs> but it's a launch pad you know absolutely all everything every trophy I have all this stuff I have they're props for like work and commitment and hard work, blood, sweat and tears that I've done. And so, yeah, there's a pride in like, I did that. That was really hard. I committed to it. I did it. But the second part of any achievement is like, yeah that meant a lot to me. Now what does that mean to somebody else? Can somebody see that, okay, Reba's won Unbound three times the 200. Could I break her record? You know, there's a challenge out there for somebody. Could I break that time that she's done? And I really like that people chase those things and and have a bar to look after because we all kind of need a rabbit to chase. And if I'm that rabbit or I inspire somebody else, like that's just the double bonus of the the good feeling I got from achieving something, but then the second round of feeling really good that it helped somebody else achieve something too. And by no means am I done like challenging myself yet.
1: I wouldn't expect that. (laughs) (laughs) That but that that's <laughs> it's when that ninth live ends. That's yeah, I got when, a couple that's... more.
2: I got a, <laughs> I got two more. But it's like this double extra bonus, you know, like icing on the cake that you didn't really expect and when you know I'm racing super hard or whatever I'm not necessarily thinking about like I'm an inspiration to people I'm not (laughs) out there doing that I'm setting my goal and I'm very hyper focused and then the second round of what comes is you see what other people take from that and that's it's just really cool so yeah super big honor and to for me the gravel cycling hall of fame it's important because there is a history and people think I'm just a cyclist. They don't know. I was competitive, you know, outrigger canoeer, rock climber runner, all that stuff. And history is important to tell. And we listened to some of those stories last night of people think that these races, always had 4,000 people showing up yeah. at them. They always were like elite. And and no, it wasn't always that way. The first RPI, there were 175 people. What, and, the, that, and the town was on fire, basically. We had a massive forest fire, you know, the months before. And I was working as a firefighter and going, I, what do I do? Like, do I give the money back? And there were 175 people, you know, and, and now there's 1,500. And it's a global event that people can take part in remotely. And there's a training program and a scholarship program. So, telling history is important because we're also building history right now and i tried to talk about that a little bit in my speech gravel is is it's the origin of cycling we bikes were began on dirt roads there there weren't even paved roads bikes began there but it's also the future of cycling because gravel is the fastest growing segment of cycling it has been for a long time and the reason is because it's adventurous and it's inclusive and anyone could do it anywhere you don't need special trails you don't need special equipment even though there is and so it's the past and the future and I think that that's really cool to celebrate that's
1: that, that is really special because we, we acknowledge all the time that gravel the gravel cycling hall of fame is acknowledges that gravel started way before and we kind of lost gravel and we're, we've, we've refound it. And so that's it's awesome that you understand that and you point out of that pointed that out last night uh, during your speech. It was it was great.
0: When you look back now as a Hall of famer, are there any successes or challenges that you have overcame that mean more now than they did in the moment?
2: Uh, my, my first ride here 2012 I, I didn't realize I, I came to ride this 200 mile ride in Kansas I was forced to come by a, by a sponsor I was a mountain biker not a drop bar skinny tire rider and I didn't realize that ride and that win was really the launch pad for what the next decade of my career would look like I didn't realize I would be so inspired by this medium and go home and explore gravel at my house and find all, like, how did I never know all this stuff was right at home? So so one, that ride here 10 years ago, it, it got it opened my eyes and heart a little to possibility of like, there's so much more I can see, but there's also a way to welcome more people. I always thought I'd put on a mountain bike event, but realizing one, how fun gravel, riding is how adventure it is how technical it is it's not road riding it really isn't it's gravel road riding and it's totally different and so that ride I didn't realize was really going to set the bar for an event that I would launch for a foundation that I would launch for scholarships for getting more people involved for for my seventh world championship which happened at gravel worlds in 2015 (laughs) So i had no idea that ride that day that 12 hours and two minutes was going to really change the trajectory of my career and my riding
1: you remember your time
2: 1202
1: do you do you remember all your times for no. your, oh okay oh no. that's
2: impressive that's no but i remember that one because because I, I was with dan and rusty and and they broke 12 hours and I got lost in the right at the college here there were arrows on the ground from a running race So three of us had been getting been together the whole time and then I dropped off a little and I just followed these painted arrows on the ground and literally a blo- you know two blocks from the finish I'm going around the college following these white arrows that were not part of the <laughs> event and Dan had said nobody's broken no you know people don't break 12 no woman's ever broken 12 and so I was like that's why I remember, because I was like, ah, it's 12.02, and they were 11.58. And, ah! <laughs> anyway, so, um, so yeah, I do remember that time, because it was kind of ingrained in my head. That was a benchmark I was going for, and I'm really proud of that time. But, yeah, if I hadn't gotten those running 5K arrows at the, in the last half mile of the race, I might have... <laughs> Did broken. you
1: bike an extra 5K?
2: No, the running race was 5K, and I, I finally caught on. It was, like, going around, and, and I was just like... <laughs> ah what's happening tour, it was
1: tour of campus totally
2: <laughs> and it was my first luckily it's a small campus but it was my first time here so I kind of didn't know where the street was and yeah anyway that's a funny story <laughs> luckily there wasn't somebody chomping right at my heels you've
1: done so many iconic events on on multiple different genres of cycling what, what's next for you? What's, what's a bucket list thing you wanna do? What's a challenge? It doesn't have to be an event. What's a challenge you wanna do uh, for Rebecca Rush? What's your next push for yourself?
2: I love that question. So so yeah, my cycling has really evolved a lot. And where I am right now, where, what I'm really inspired by is expedition riding and doing, I feel like it's my adventure racing, my navigation, even my climbing and paddling are sort of coming full circle into doing long, multi-day self-supported bikepacking adventure rides. And so I've been getting into winter expeditions and a big uh, challenge that I have on the horizon for next year is to do the full 1,000 mile Iditarod Trail Invitational, which is on the the iconic Iditarod Trail in Alaska in winter, fully self-supported, it takes a month about a month to complete that. I've done the short version which is 350 that takes I was going to say
1: I remember I thought you had done one version of it. So there's a 1000 mile version. There is
2: the full 1000 mile. So I've been working my way up. I've done three times I've done the the short version the 350 to McGrath and I haven't yet done the full version so that's on the radar probably be I've um JP Deverry is a a mentor in the winter ultra cycling space for me and he's been he's been helping me out and he's been an instigator kind of like Dan was an <laughs> instigator for me with gravel JP's been a good winter expedition instigator and it's an area I'm really scared of of the cold the self support but I also I'm really inspired by the navigation, the thought process, the survival skills—it really does feel like it's my cycling's coming full circle from all the other adventure sports I've done, and then a bunch of bike racing, and now into bike expeditions. And I'm kind of inspired by bike packing and bike expeditions. And I've got some stuff in Idaho that that I want to do too in my in my home home state.
1: That's awesome. Yeah, that I the the cold aspect of that just things can go wrong so fast when you're well below freezing temperatures and you're, you know, you got to monitor your, if, if you're too wet and sweating and yeah. your nutrition's completely different, that's, that's incredible. I'm excited to follow. It, you follow know, it's, a,
2: it's commitment. It's the ultimate commitment because there isn't somebody going to come rescue you. Um, yeah. If you get too sweaty, you freeze. If you can't change your tire uh, in minus 20 degree, you get a flat, you can't fix a mechanical in minus 20 That's up to you. And so the level of commitment is fear is a big motivator. And so it's been kind of cool to just know that you've got to rise to the occasion. And I have another Iceland expedition coming up in July that I'm pretty excited about. So I'll be doing a a fat bike expedition there along the Southern coast. It's it's one of the longest stretches of sand. It's like a 400 mile stretch of coastal sand with about 30 or 40 um high-flowing river crossings so it'll be fat bikes fully loaded down but also pack rafts so to do the river crossings we'll need boats we got to blow them up put the bike on top of the boat get to the other side so a lot of survival skills um it won't be minus 40 there but it'll still be quite extreme temperatures and and that's a pretty big expedition coming up in july
1: is that going to be documented?
2: Yeah. We'll self-document and I'm going with um, Steve Fassbinder, Doom, that's a lot of your listeners might know that guy. He's pretty awesome. And uh, Chris Burkhart and I, so we'll be, yeah, we'll be self-documenting when there's not sand in the camera and you know, all that kind of stuff. (laughs)
1: that's awesome let's uh let's talk about be good foundation and rebecca's private idaho uh so rpi is going on uh 10 years now this is your 10th year which is an incredible accomplishment uh there's a lot of work on the back end that a lot of people don't see to keep an event going and growing it um so what's how's how is rpi 2022 going can people still register uh Tell me about tell me about RPI 2022. Yeah,
2: RPI 2022. 10 years. Yeah, I'm pretty proud of that. It's pretty cool. Um, I launched it 10 years ago with the mission that I describe as um, people, purpose and place. So bring people together in a beautiful place and ride with purpose. And and we've done that for 10 years. And uh, it's grown from a very small 175 people to now 1,500 people in person. But also RPI Remote is in anywhere you are. You can put together an RPI course, and we have leaderboard and prizes, and we help people do that. And then we also have the RPI Base Camp eight-week training program with me and my coach. You train with me. You get um, your training program. You get access to to my group of experts and my network of red bull people and nutritionists and mindfulness and all sorts of cool stuff so it's grown from a on the ground amazing event it's grown now to f- it's five days so we have a stage race we have everything from 20 mile to uh, a three-day stage race two expos and and it's our number one fundraiser for the be good foundation for the year as well and, and it's grown in in size, but I've always wanted to look at, look, I don't want to pack more people onto the course because it's called Rebecca's Private Idaho for a reason. And even though there's 1500 people on the start line, what I'm proud of is I go out on course every year and make sure it still feels private enough and that you still have that time where you can just look around and be like, wow, like there's nobody out here. And, And you do get that experience, which is so cool. Um, and there's no cell phone coverage and you really do get a chance to unplug. And that's really important to me that people go have their bike journey and then they come back into town and then there's a big party and a celebration and vendors and everybody's there, but that you get that alone time on the bike where there's just a couple people around you and you're like, where'd everybody go? Um, so yeah, that's year number 10. I'm, I'm super excited. We're launching the scholarship program last year. I'm really proud that we, we launched, um, paracycling categories, non-binary categories, and those are just growing and exploding this year. Challenge Athlete Foundation is coming on as a partner. Um, Meg Fisher's been a great mentor for us. Abby has been helping us. Tons of friends that I've met in the gravel community are really just growing the community, and it, and it's always been that way. From year one, I've said, I want people to feel like a local. When they come here, they're coming to ride with me. They're riding in my backyard. They're training with me, and I want it wanted to feel that way. There's Um. definitely
0: something special about it. I was able to go uh, in either 2014 or 2015. Uh, My dad raced that year. And I remember we still have the bolo tie hanging around his picture on his little memorial chest in our living room. And uh, I remember him getting done and he was just so proud of himself for completing that challenge and it was so funny we didn't have a hotel room so we got all the way to Idaho and all of the hotel rooms were sold out so we were in the lobby of a hotel trying to figure out what to do and this guy kind of caught wind of it and he goes you guys can stay with me like no worries I have an extra bed so my dad and I just shared a hotel room with this random guy, (laughs) nicest person in the whole world. And he told us all about his, I think he was here from somewhere in Russia, I want to say. And he told us all about his culture and it's still, it's a core memory to this day. Wow. I love that
2: that happened. I feel
0: like that kind of sums up kind of what, Rebecca's private Idaho is it's like the spirit of everybody coming together and looking out for each other and caring about each other.
2: Oh, amazing. And congrats, congrats on your dad's bolo tie. <laughs> Those are hard to get. What,
1: what is the, I don't know what that is. What's the bullet? So you the get bolo
2: that? tie, we, we print, they're, they're custom made by a metal worker in Idaho. They're really cool. Um, and they go in each category, sort of the top percentage of, of riders in each category based on how many people are signed up. So usually ends up, you know, there's only 200 of them and so and you don't kind of know what time you need to hit or anything you just if you're at the front front end you know you might not be on the podium but but if you're fast enough you know it's like the top 10 percent ish get a bolo tie and so but you don't know till you cross the finish line and you're like did I get one? And you're like, Oh, the last, the last person just gotten the last bolo tie. Sorry. But so it, it makes people race and it makes people like really work towards something. So that's, yeah, your like. dad's fast. <laughs> if you got a bolo tie,
1: <laughs> that's awesome. That's cool. I didn't know that at all. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Randy was definitely a a beast on the bike. So, oh, yeah. uh, he's got many wins and I think he's in the BMX hall of fame. Yeah. Or he's something in like. the BMX. Like, hall of so fame. He, nice. it's, it's one of those like, Crossing gravel brings all genres of cycling together. So it
2: totally does.
1: Uh, all right. We got to talk about your be good foundation. Uh, Um, you, you started the be good foundation with a mission statement. That's enriching communities by using the bicycle as a catalyst for healing, empowerment, and evolution. So what, what is your why of why you started the be good foundation?
2: Why I started the be good foundation. That was the most important ride of my life. It happened in 2015 I went and did an expedition down the Ho Chi Minh Trail through Vietnam, Laos, and Cambodia. Very intense, emotional, physical expedition. And I went there to go to the place where my dad's plane was shot down in the Vietnam War in 1972. It was shot down over Laos. I have map coordinates tattooed on my arm. And and I wanted to bring together, one, I wanted to connect with my dad. He died when I was very small. I don't remember him. And I wanted to take what I do as my career as a way to get to know him and get to know what he experienced and so I did a huge ride went to the place where he died um, met met the village chief whose father buried my father we found pieces of his plane there and and a beautiful tree where the local villagers had buried him and and I felt connected to him for the first time in my life and and he had written letters home from the Vietnam War with, and he always signed off with the words, be good. And it was there on that ride that I realized the bike has given me so many gifts and that I had a bigger purpose. And then he wanted to ask me, you know, he was telling me, you know, you've got more to do here. With with the bike and so I came home. I really heard his words be good And I thought about what the bike gives me which and what the bike does heal empower evolve That's what it's done for me. That's what it does for other people and so I launched the be good foundation after that ride in my dad's name and our 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 very first sort of mission was to clear up bombs along the Ho Chi Minh Trail because not only on that ride I I got to know my dad and and I got to see this beautiful community of people and learn about the Vietnam War but I also learned that there are tons of unexploded ordnance still left in Laos. A war that ended 50 years ago is still killing people and I felt so strongly that he i knew he felt remorse about dropping bombs on people and i felt like it was my job to now clean help clean that up and so one of our primary projects that we work on and it's it's basically the genesis of the foundation is clearing bombs through a group called minds advisory group we help clear bombs along the Ho Chi Minh Trail. Um, and we have this really cool collaboration where the bombs that are cleared, the metal and the aluminum that's cleared, we, we partner with another group called Article 22 and we turn that, that bomb aluminum into jewelry. It's engraved with wow. the words, be good. And we sell the jewelry through our foundation and proceeds from each sale go back to clear up more bombs along the Ho Chi Minh Trail. And so it's this beautiful, I mean, all the jewelry that I wear is my earrings, my bracelet um, are all bombs that were dropped, cleared by villagers, made by villagers in Laos, engraved. And so it's this beautiful full circle of healing. And, And that's one of our primary projects. That's the meaning of the words be good for me. And we've also expanded. We work basically with the people who ride, the places we ride, the infrastructure for riding, so everything from World Bicycle Relief, that's providing bikes for school students in Africa, to people for bikes that, that helps provide infrastructure in the U.S. for n- non-motorized transportation, bicycle transportation, to our local trails group, to, you know, there's all sorts of cool projects, but it all is centered around that bicycle as the vehicle for people to grow and evolve. Jason and
0: I talk about it a lot, but that just seems like another case of beauty out of ashes where you have two choices, you know, when tragedy strikes or if you see a horrible situation, you can either, you know, let it be or find a positive out of it and create beauty.
2: I, I, I'm glad you said that because we, we talk about, there's a lot of pain in our past and history, Yeah. whether it's the Vietnam War, whether it's how indigenous people were treated in, you know, w- during colonization, we can't change that, but we can change the future. And when I was riding with Huen, my Vietnamese teammate, she was so open and the community there accepted me and welcomed me and it was like, our, my family was bombing their villages. And Huen just said, you know, we're part of healing the future, me and you riding together. And it's, it can be as simple as two people from different cultures riding a bike together it can change the world and it does, and we have to.
1: Yeah, if you if you haven't seen uh, Rebecca's uh, documentary on her journey on the Ho Chi Minh Trail, you need to go watch it. Um, I if you get through that without crying, uh, you need to go to the doctor. I think because it's it's such a powerful film, not only on her personal journey um, to find her dad and in her own personal journey is impactful enough. But just the the visualization that you see of those those unexploded bombs, it's we've our country has changed the landscape of that country. And these towns, they literally have bombs that they know are right there that they walk around and they're worried of livestock that might accidentally step on them that like that's something you just don't see or can't we don't comprehend that here because we're not told about it and so it's important for us to understand the devastation of war that when it's not on your homeland, what we're what we're doing behind and please go watch that documentary it was beautiful it was a beautiful piece I got to see it my wife and I got to see it in 2017 when you uh played it here at the Granada Theater and there definitely wasn't a dry eye in the house and uh I gotta thank you at the end of that (laughs) I know you don't remember me then but um it's it's awesome that this has come full circle where I can you know five years later I can say that that still had an impact on my life like Th- my mentality five years later. So please Thank go you. watch it. it yeah, was It's beautiful. called
2: Blood Road, you know, so people are going to look for it. Blood Road is the name of the film and it it just goes to show that was a bike ride and what you can learn and see on a bike ride because you're traveling slowly. You're passing through places whether you're in Idaho or Kansas or Laos you see things on a bike and, and the bike is universally welcoming. You know, we rode through there. We don't speak the same language but people understand a bicycle, they understand you're on a journey, you're traveling. And so it really does open doors and hearts to just go ride a bike somewhere. And that's how that ride and that film started. That's how the foundation was launched. And yeah, that was the most important ride of my life. And and it has opened so many doors for me to, to do other things. So yeah, thanks for watching that and talking about it.
1: Absolutely. It's, it's beautiful. You need to go watch it. So go search <laughs> Blood Road. I think it's Red Bull, right?
2: It's on uh, Red Bull, Amazon Prime, outside TV. Okay. Uh, yeah, all over the place.
1: All right. We got to get you to your flight here. So we're going <laughs> to, we have a couple real quick questions real fast. How do people uh, support Be Good Foundation?
2: Be Good Foundation um, is is linked through my website, com or uh, thebegoodfoundation.org. You can Google it up. You can find it. And like I said, we've got all sorts of ways to contribute, um, whether buying jewelry, you know, made from bombs for your family or or shirts or or getting involved with a scholarship program. And so, yeah, Be Good Foundation, you can find me there. And and also on um, social media at Rebecca Rush at Be Good Foundation.
0: Before you leave, I just want to say I have watched you growing up and you have just been such a huge inspiration because There was a huge lack of representation in the sport for young women and young girls. And you were someone who pushed so many girls into this sport just by being you. And that means more than any of us can ever say. So
2: thank you. And thank you, because look what you're doing now. You are pushing through the next people. You're passing it on. And so thanks to both of you for actually communicating these stories. You know, someone's got to tell them, and and you're doing that. So thank you. And for my seventh world championship that happened at, uh, yeah, Gravel Worlds, I'm pretty proud of that one we'll see if there's a number eight world somewhere somehow <laughs> in another sport
1: uh, yeah you got it it's going to be crazy whatever it is it's not it, it might not it's probably not even on bikes so <laughs> <laughs> all right last question
0: last question we ask everybody on our podcast this question what does the gravel family mean to you
2: hmm. gravitude <laughs> yes <laughs>
0: That about sums it that's, up. That's all
1: we need. That's all we need. That's the shortest answer, but still as awesome as every other one we've had. Very impactful. <laughs> Thank you so much, Rebecca. I know it's been a crazy week for you, and your time is incredibly valuable. Um, it means so much to Sophia and I that you're on here. Um, we can't wait. We hope you're hopefully you're back in Lincoln someday, and I can't wait till our cra- our paths cross again.
2: Well, and you're always um, invited and welcome in Idaho. I hope you can oh, make yeah. it back there too. Oh
1: well it's on our bucket we got a bucket list and it's on it for sure awesome all right thank you this has been another episode of the gravel family podcast uh thank you again to gravel city adventures for letting us record out front here today if you're ever in emporia or you're in kansas and you need uh bike work or you want to buy a bike please go to gravel city adventures right here in emporia kansas we'll see you on the next episode
0: be good i'm sophia i'm jason and i'm rebecca rush and this has been another episode of the gravel family podcast gravel family podcast is a pirate cycling league production
1: gravel worlds and pirate cycling league are owned and operated by gravel adventures llc lincoln nebraska
0: for more information on gravel family podcast visit www.gravelfamily.bike for information on gravel worlds or pirate cycling league go to www.gravel-worlds.com